Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. Uh, we can find everything we do at baldmove.com because we are part of the Bald Move Network. Uh, you have a little something-something you want to talk about before we get into the recap today, so I'll yeah, pass it just, over to you. Just wanted to pimp the t-shirts one more time. We are not. We don't have that many Walking Deads left. Uh, go to our e-commerce site at baldmove.spreadshirt.com and you can get two sweet t-shirt designs. One is the I crossbow Daryl Dixon t-shirts and the other is the crouching redneck hidden badass uh, concept design it's rick and it's daryl and it's designed by a comic book artist and they're fighting hordes of zombies it's really badass uh my description's not doing it justice bald move that spreadshirt.com <laughs> we actually got some uh pretty sweet we, we got some feedback uh saying that maybe we can get it on some premium shirts um so we might have a like balls to the wall, like it obviously going to be more expensive than the fifteen dollars that the the current shirt is. Uh, but if you know if you're willing to pay twenty five bucks to get it on a really nice performance tee, we're going to have that offering too. So um, again, yeah, check we, it out at we made Ball some Move. t-shirts for ourselves one year to go to PAX, and we really splurged and got the nice expensive ones. Yeah, the <laughs> limited one- edition. The one was like uh, the one that was my favorite was like the bamboo performance yeah. T-shirt. That That's freaking thing felt and performed amazing. But again, baldmove.spreadshirt.com. Check it out. Cool. All right. Well, let's get right into the recap. Uh, it's season three, episode fifteen. It's called "This Sorrowful Life." Uh, interesting title for this episode. Uh, right we'll off talk the comic about books. That more. Oh, is it? Yeah, they. Uh, uh, again, they, they, they took it right off of the, uh, I believe it was the, a, a name of the series cause they go in like six episode arcs or six comic arcs. Mm-hmm. So talking about like, the trades. Yeah. It's the trade, trade back. Okay. Trade paperback. Uh, so it opens on Rick telling Daryl and Herschel that they're, right, well, you're, that whoa, you're decided just, you're just going in this raw dog. We're not going to talk about our opinions or what we thought. Oh yeah. All right. All right. Uh, what's your opinion of this episode? <laughs> Uh, it started off slow, but I got to say the last three quarters of the show were one of the strongest Walking Deads that I can I can think of. Yeah, it, it's all due to the interaction of the Dixon brothers, man. I love these guys when they're both on screen. And I got to give credit where credit's due to Michonne. Um, I don't know where she came out of her shell or whether it's self-preservation or what, but uh, her interaction with Merle was compelling yeah yeah i i actually made a note about their relationship it's a it's a weird one and it's for the walking dead surprisingly nuanced there's kind of like a a hate respect relationship here like where michonne hates merle but merle kind of respects michonne in some way now after he's seen everything that she's done yeah it feels to me like the relationship that professional soldiers have on two separate sides of a very bitter conflict yeah yeah there was a lot of that in uh what's that called uh band of brothers uh-huh. that i recently watched uh there was specifically a scene where the guys are like sharing cigarettes two 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 groups of soldiers from opposite sides are sharing cigarettes while they meet along the road uh, and you're right it, it feels a lot like that uh, but yeah, that super strong stuff there from them, and I felt like the stuff that they did back at the prison was um, good. I mean, it wasn't certainly the focus of the episode, although uh, I'm glad that it wasn't, and I'm glad kind of that we didn't go back to Woodbury right away and just see yes. Andrea get uh, 
bad things done to her. <laughs> Splitting this three-way, I think, would have destroyed the flow of the, of the show. Yeah, definitely. And the cast. <laughs> and, I mean, this is just like what happened in Clear, where we kind of took off, got away from the prison, focused on a couple characters, and it turned out to be a really strong episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they yeah. kind of did the same formula here. Kind of feels like the governor maybe works in smaller doses than they've been giving him out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so what's your rating of this one? Uh, I would give it a nine. A nine? Wow. See, I gave the last one a nine because I really like the horror stuff that they did. Um, I'm going to give this one an 8.5 uh, mm. simply because... It didn't have all that those elements that I really loved in it. It was a little more straightforward of an episode, but it did have the emotional punch of the Dixon brothers. Um, so it gets a high score. Cool. All right, let's get into the recap. It starts off with Rick telling Daryl and Herschel that he's decided they're giving Michonne over to the governor. Uh, Daryl and Herschel are not feeling great about it. Herschel limps away on his crutches. Uh, and Rick tries to rationalize it to Daryl by saying that they can avoid losing someone else if they do this, which doesn't make a lot of sense because they're losing someone by doing this. No, and and it's it's total. It's really stupid. Uh, I, I'm just extremely disappointed that Rick thinks that the governor will keep his word with everything he knows about him. To me, yeah. this is the one of the biggest betrayals of Rick Grimes' character this show has perpetrated yet, and it's done a few. And I, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. When I saw this for the first time watching it live, I tweeted out – because right after this yep. is a, the section where uh, Merle says, I don't know who you are or whatever. I don't know who I am. I was like, yeah, we don't either. We don't know who Rick is. This is dumb. I was just yes. like – did, none of this stuff that's happening makes any sense. I, I was I was approaching livid with this episode fifteen minutes in, and it oh, complete, fifteen minutes! Wow. Yeah, it completely took a um, a, a J turn, I guess, or U turn uh, into awesomeness. Obviously, because it clawed its way back up to a nine. But I was really like, I cannot believe it's one thing for him to have a moment of doubt at the end of last episode, but for him mm-hmm. to carry that forward. And be like, oh, God, you know, we just got to kowtow to the governor's demands. That is just, you know, that's that's beta Rick and stupid Rick on top of it. Not only is it weak, it's stupid. So right off the bat, idiot survivor of the week right there for believing the governor's lies. And the thing is, he doesn't even believe the governor because he said last episode, I know that he's just going to kill everybody anyway. Like, he said those words. I know. I and yet know. he still decides to do it. I, I did not get any of this uh, that was happening at the beginning here. Uh, also, they've got they've got a guy here, Merle, on one hand, who they let stay at the prison, who is actively harmed, has kidnapped two of the members of their group and beaten and tortured one of them. They let him stay, no problem. But then mm-hmm. Michonne, who's actively helped the group and killed a bunch of zombies for them and done nothing to harm them, really... They turned her over to the governor. That makes no sense. Ugh. No. And, and what really makes no sense is I, I was waiting for Merle at some point to say, you know, as soon as you give Michonne up, the governor's just going to kill everyone. I've been – I've seen this play out. You know, I've, I've, I've killed yeah. 16 different men in his service. I know how this is going to end. None of that happened. Again, yeah. I just feel like anytime 
a majority of the listeners are going to have the same thought and judging by our Facebook thread and some of our feedback and you and I experiences, this is a thought that people are going to have on watching this, this season that it's the writer's job to address that. You've got to lampshade it. You've got to draw attention to it. You've got to show me that you've given a thought. This is just like, you know, whistling Dixie and putting your hands in her pockets and, you know, looking up at the sky and waiting <laughs> for the awkward moment to pass. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I get that that's, that's what's happening on the show, but it just irritates me that, uh, you know, Merle didn't say, in addition to Rick being weak for not doing this thing with Michonne, also, oh, yeah, this is probably going to work anyway. Someone yeah. just acknowledge it. That's what I want. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder how much of that is the writer is just not acknowledging it and how much of it is Merle's character actually thinking that he may be able to smooth things over. Because later on when he's walking Michonne down the street, he kind of says, well, I'll take you back and maybe the prison will still stand and we can I can be accepted back into Woodbury. Like, maybe there's a chance. And she says that's an awful lot of hopes, which he agrees with, but he's still willing to kind of follow that hope a little bit. Hmm. at that point so maybe he does kind of think that it's the case that he could turn over michonne and it would be okay yeah i don't know i mean i gotta love the man for what he did at the end of the episode and that also helped them tie tidy up a couple other kind of plot points as far as you know rick's group standing a fighting chance and whatnot but i Mm -hmm. it just feels like maybe they could have dug a little deeper and gotten to a little bit uh better believable situation uh for for these guys to be acting the way they do uh my other thought and this is kind of a random one that i'm gonna interject here is are we i i'm starting to doubt that misera lost his job on the strength of these final episodes because they seem pretty strong none of them were anywhere near the weaker parts of season two um I just feel like that this is starting to me feel like creative differences between the network and Kirkman and the and and Mazzara. and hmm. um, that kind of has me scared because they kept the guy who might be contributing to some of this stupid plotting, which is Kirkman. <laughs> because I, you know, well, why I, do you I, say he I, might be the one? Well, I don't know because I might be in hot water for some comic book guys. Um, I've read the whole series. I'm here to tell you it is not the great American novel all the way through. <laughs> there are some things that don't make sense. I think all by and large, you know, it, it, it hits home runs, but there's a lot of things that, you know, just flat out wouldn't work on a television show. And I hope that there's a realization going forward on that. So anyway. And I think you've got a guy on one hand, Glenn Mazzara, who is, experienced at this and at creating characters and telling stories and then you got the other guy who just kind of started up his own comic book and decided hey i'm going to write this story mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to take any of the credit for the the character development that we have seen away from mazera and put it onto kirkman's shoulders uh in that scenario i think and I, i'm not saying it's an easy thing to do by any means i mean sure. shit i couldn't do it i couldn't jump right. in and write this show no way uh but I mean, you got to give Mazera some credit for the stuff that has gone right. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, second scene. We're taking a little time here. Uh, Merle's tearing apart his mattresses, looking for drugs. Uh, Rick's at, Rick comes up and asks him to help capture Michonne, and Merle kind of questions why he would do something like that, uh, or basically tells him he doesn't have the stones to do something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Doesn't have the spine for it. Uh, really good interaction here. I liked. I liked that Merle was kind of Rick's conscience here, like telling him who he really was, whereas Rick wasn't wanting to see it. Yeah, I actually thought one of the strongest parts of this episode was there were a lot of good back and forths. You know, yeah. a lot of times there's some sermonizing that, you know, main character will give and the other character just sits there and takes it and kind of like slack jawed. But the multiple instances of someone delivering like a very cutting analysis and the other secondary character being like, oh, yeah, well, fuck you. Here's your problem. <laughs> and being dead, have them be both dead to right and making intelligent comments. So, yeah. you know, Rick opened up with, do you even understand why the choices you make? And Merle's like, yeah, I don't get me, but I know you and I know what you can <laughs> and can't do and being right. And I really enjoyed that aspect of the interplay. Yeah, I like that moment in the conversation because a lot of the times it's harder to see the reasons behind what you're doing as opposed to the reasons behind what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. And that kind of shows up here. I mean, Merle is a guy who, yeah, he's a bad guy in a lot of ways, but in some ways he has this underlying heart to him, the same as Daryl does, um, and it just hasn't been pulled out as effectively as Daryl's has. <laughs> right, you know? right. Uh, and we obviously see that there at the end of the episode. Um, but well, we actually got to e- go ahead. I think busting the brothers up was probably the best thing to happen to Daryl because, you know, in previous circumstances when they'd get into a group where they'd have to get along, you know, maybe Merle or Daryl would feel bad about whatever situation, but they could talk themselves back into kind of middle fingers through the world philosophy. <laughs> uh, whereas, yeah. you know, when it's just Daryl and Rick's group, he kind of had to learn, work and get along with people which i thought uh he did a very good job articulating later on where he's like look you need people you can't you, you can't do this alone anymore yeah which is uh we'll talk more about that when we get to it <laughs> okay fair enough uh we got an email from jake o from wisconsin who wrote in to basically tell us that when he calls him uh, officer friendly he says you're cold as ice officer friendly that's a callback to season one where rick handcuffed him to the pipe that's the same thing he called him <laughs> Uh-huh. So I thought that was kind of cool. There's there's another callback that we'll get to uh, when we, we get to it. a lot of smart callbacks to season 1, you know, the uh episode yep. clear was lo- loaded full of them and now we got some more here. Yeah, and I Not like the a... subtlety that they use. Yeah. Uh okay, let's go on to the next scene where some of the survivors including Michonne are pulling razor wire out on the road uh in the yard. And Rick opens up the gate for him, and I don't know. They talk. I forget what happens exactly. The point in this scene. being there that the defensive fortification at the front gates, uh, Glenn says, was Michonne. Rick says, "Hey, that's a good idea." And uh, no, Daryl said, "Hey, yeah, it's Michonne's with a significant look, like yeah, yeah, the sacrificial lamb we're about to give up." Yep. Uh, and then we go back inside to Carol and Merle having a conversation, and this is one of those moments you were talking about of characters kind of cutting each other up um, mm-hmm. and having this interesting back and forth. Carol asks Merle if he's with them. And Merle says he's here for his brother. Uh, and he kind of notices how much Carol has changed. And then she tries to kind of roll that back around on him and say, maybe you can change too. Uh, if yeah. I'm a late bloomer, maybe you can be too. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, re- really strong interaction. And I mean, Carol's, I like that they took this moment to really point out how much Carol has changed because we don't see a lot of Carol on this show. Mm -hmm. Uh, She kind of gets 
put in the back seat compared to the people like Daryl and Merle, uh, Rick and Ghost Lori, and things like that, with yeah. as far as interactions with characters. Uh, but yeah, she is one of the most changed characters on the show. I mean, if you look at her from season one, and I haven't gone back and watched it, but I know some of our listeners have because they've emailed about it. Uh, she's completely different. Her demeanor is entirely changed, uh, and I like to see that. Right. No, I, I totally, totally co-sign that. Uh, we go back to uh, the outside of the prison, and Glenn's helping uh, – well, Daryl's helping Glenn fortify a gate. And he tells him that Merle's going to make things right with him. Uh, but Glenn, <laughs> Glenn kind of recaps what Merle did to him, uh, what he did to Maggie, and basically tells Daryl that he's not the one that he needs to make it right with. Like, he cares less about himself than he does about Maggie. Um, yeah, and that that was um I don't think I don't think Daryl fully appreciated what a bastard Merle and the governor were to Glenn and Maggie until that point too. Yeah. Yeah, because he's kind of like, look, you know, I understand you took you, but you know, it's kind of like, well, we're both sides of the or different sides of the same war, kinda, you know, we're just doing following orders and Glenn's like, Yeah, well, in this case he's the Nazis. So that was, a <laughs> yeah. war, that was a war crime, if that's true. Yeah. Uh, also, I want to give uh, credit to something I got last week from uh, Ellis McDee. Uh, said, I was trying to describe Daryl's hairstyle, and I kept on describing her <laughs> yeah. as Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim uh, Saves or Versus the World or whatever. Uh, and she said the proper description we're looking for is K-pop star hair. <laughs> Totally. Korean pop star hair. And that nailed it. Nailed it. So forevermore, he's got K-pop star hair until he fixes it. (laughs) And it's crazy when you go back and you watch season one, the hairstyles. (laughs) It's night and day, man. Oh, yeah. Night and day. Yeah. Uh, Daryl goes down to the utility room, and he finds his brother there. Uh, He pretends – Merle pretends that he's looking for drugs which is better than actually what he was actually doing down there, I guess. And he asked Daryl what he thinks about the plan for Michonne. Um, Daryl gives the non-answer of whatever Rick says goes, just totally avoiding the question. Which uh, the, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I didn't and, and, let me just finish up real quick. And Merle says that they need a bad guy like him to do their dirty work. Okay, go ahead. Uh, the other thing, I'm kind of surprised no one, and obviously we haven't seen everything that transpired between Herschel, Rick, and Daryl, but I'm kind of surprised that no one has questioned Rick. I, mean, I know he gave the whole the Rick Tatorship speech, but he's been a very weak this this season too. And I would just think that somebody would say, "Are you sure we're going to do this, man? Because the governor's crazy. Blah blah blah. We need Michonne. <laughs> it just feels like somebody would have done something more than just, "Hey, I'm following orders with this." Yeah, the problem I think here is that. Rick is the only guy who's talked to the governor. And I don't think Herschel and Daryl are going to say, hey, you're crazy. This guy's going to kill him anyway. If Rick thinks that there might be a chance because Rick has spoken with him. Rick has got a read on the guy. Yeah. Um, now, what he's not telling them is that Rick Expert got the read that this guy's fucking crazy and is going to kill everyone. <laughs> well, plus, I just feel like, I don't know. Uh uh, maybe I'm too colored by the skit we did, but I just feel like Rick <laughs> totally fucked up that meeting. Um, you know, that's that's old history. I do want to say this about you can't do things without people anymore. It's that is true, 
But in this universe, it's a very damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because you could end up trusting the wrong guy like the governor and ends up in disaster. Or you mm-hmm. could end up distrusting the wrong guy like Rick and it ends up disaster. Or like Rick did with Tyrese. Um, the, you need people, but you need the right people. And how do you know who's right and who's wrong? Yeah, Which, there needs to be some vetting process. <laughs> I, that, that basically sums up uh issue 60 through 107 of the walking dead is oh, okay. how, how you need people how do you trust the right people how do you know who the right people are how do you vet you know how do you go through all this process and i'm excited to see the show kind of put that forward as a mission statement this early yeah i mean i feel like we got a little bit of that with michonne we started at least questioning like bringing up that topic mm-hmm. uh, with michonne and with merle this and season Tyrese. but i expect they will yeah, yeah, and Tyrese, and I expect they'll go further with that. If if Rick hadn't been absolutely batshit crazy at the moment that he met Tyrese, maybe we would have explored that. Yep. But yeah, we'll we'll see more of that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Merle wasn't only right about that. Actually, he was right about a couple things. They kind of do need a bad guy to do their dirty work because there's certainly going to be dirty work that needs to be done in this scenario, mm-hmm. um, in one way or another. And they are doing the exact same thing that Merle's doing here. Uh, that Merle did with Maggie and Glenn. They're snatching somebody up and delivering to the governor. Yep. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, and a really touching moment here when uh, at the very end of the scene, Daryl just grabs his brother's arm, says, I just want my brother back. <laughs> and Merle almost busts out crying. He's like, yeah. get out of here, man. <laughs> very effective. I don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, next scene, Herschel's reading I- the Bible with his daughters. It's well, clear, uh, like like a lot of people had question about why he's d- getting a phone. It is clear by the end of the episode that that's he was getting that for the wire. No, no, no. He was trying to stop Rick from being crazy. Thought if I maybe if I take this guy's <laughs> phone, he won't be able to answer it. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, Herschel's reading the Bible with his daughters while Rick scavenges for cables, and he changes his mind about turning over Michonne when he sees Ghost Lori looking on. Pregnant ghost lawyer this time. A pregnant ghost lawyer. We got a good email about that that we'll get to. But all right, yeah, pregnant ghost lawyer. Um, I also I, like the thing. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say I like this scene, um, and I like having Herschel reading the whatever passage he's reading over the images of Rick, uh-huh. um, kind of questioning what he's doing, and having Lori look on and and giving him the big frowny face, like. That's why he changes his mind. He knows that this is not what the man he was would do and what Laurie would expect of him. Yeah, and I also like the double meaning that when Herschel looked at his daughters and said, what I wouldn't do to keep you two safe is very meat, <laughs> meatloafian in that he was just realizing this is a thing I wouldn't do to keep you two safe. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was you know damn near clever uh, writing for the show. For sure. Um, also, Lori, a more effective character in death than she ever was in life. <laughs> <laughs> totally cosign. Uh, okay, moving on. Merle tricks Michonne into going into one of the deeper parts of the prison uh, with him and then knocks her out and ties her up. This was a low point for me uh, before this episode started pulling out. I'm like, Michonne would just trust Merle like that. Turn mm-hmm. her back on him. That kind of – I don't know what the writers could have done because they needed this to happen. But maybe her uh, – I don't know. Like Michonne trying to I, – I just feel like Michonne wouldn't turn her back on Merle that fast. No possible yeah. way. No, just I totally, totally agree with totally consistent with her character. 
but yeah. they needed it to happen, so it did. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know why they do things like this. There's a thousand different ways. I'm sh- I know they needed it to happen quickly because they just wanted to get it done and get out of there, but they could have done it any other way. Yeah. Uh, a way that's more consistent with her character. Yeah, but I was, like, I was about to rattle off three different ways they could have done it, but that's kind of boring podcasting. So <laughs> There you go. Get in and get out. Yep. Uh, Merle walks Michonne down the road and preaches to her about uh, Rick not being able to get the job done. And so he stepped up and had to do it. So he uses her sword to chop off a, jo- a zombie's head, and he enjoys it. Definitely enjoys it. Uh, he's been itching for a chance to use that blade, you can tell. <laughs> Who hasn't? I mean, honestly, that would be an upside of a zombie apocalypse that you could, you know, take the tops and faces off of zombies with a katana and just kind of see how badass it feels. Yeah, Merle definitely felt very, uh, very much like the audience there in that scenario. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, I kind of already talked about their relationship. Um, this is where it kind of struck me what kind of weird relationship they have, but talked about it. So let's move on. Uh, Rick's looking for Merle and Michonne, and instead he finds Daryl. Uh, he finds Daryl and tells him that the plan is off. Daryl takes him down to the room where Merle was and finds signs of what his brother did uh, with Michonne. And Rick decides to go after him, but Daryl says he'll go because Rick can't track for shit. And I quote. Yep, good point. Can't track for shit. I thought that was hilarious. Plus, he Right to your wanted... face. You can't track for shit. I'm going. Well. Yeah, well, when you speak the truth like that, you've got that, you know, uh, almost godlike authority. Like, I'm a tracker. You ain't nothing. So, And yeah. this is his personal business. I got the you – know, even if Rick was a fair tracker, I still think Daryl would want to do this alone. Yeah, and assuming Rick does find Merle and Michonne, uh, he's not the guy to talk Merle down. It's going to be right. Daryl. Yep. So Daryl knows that. Uh, so now let's let's take role here in the prison. Rick, Beth, Maggie, Glenn, Herschel, Carl, Carol. Three. Three. Count them three major badasses are gone. Don't forget the zombie baby. Oh, yeah. A little ass kicker. Forgot about that. (laughs) Zombie Judith. But but three of the biggest ass kickers are gone now because of Rick's plan. Yeah, Like, that's something he didn't take into account is the fact that we're going to have to deliver these guys. And assuming this plan doesn't go smoothly they're going to take out some of the best badasses we have that's 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 one of the many reasons this is a stupid ass plan (laughs) yeah unless they were going to have beth deliver michonne that would have been (laughs) awesome (laughs) she's the most expendable yeah but also completely incapable of doing anything yeah restraining michonne capturing michonne (laughs) making michonne do anything michonne doesn't want to do fair enough uh, next scene, Merle spots a car and stops to inspect it. Michonne tells him that he's not a bad man, and Merle disagrees. Uh, Merle's body count disagrees, actually. Yeah, but I like her point that a bad man, truly evil, doesn't feel any of that weight of those deaths light as a feather. And you can see increasingly throughout the episode now that Merle, uh, first of all, you wonder how much drugs and alcohol he had available at Woodbury because he yeah. kind of acts like he's coming off of something and also just being you know, away from the governor, away from someone evil, seeing evidence of people that are relatively good-hearted and pulling for each other, despite having nothing. Like, you wonder Mm -hmm. what a guy like Rick would do with Woodbury. Um, Yeah, no, it's interesting, actually. There, Were you going to say more? 
I was just going to say, you can see that this is starting to affect him. He's starting to realize, maybe I didn't have to do this. And, yeah. you know, doing some self-reflection that a truly evil man wouldn't do. There's, I also thought there was a moment of that when Rick first approached him about capturing Michonne and giving her over. Um, it seemed to me like Merle was... He, he was telling Rick that he's not the guy to do this, but at the same time, Rick was suggesting it. And I got a hint that maybe Merle thought, well, here's a place that I could kind of change and, and for the lack of a better word, repent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he had realized when Rick approached him about that, that, oh, this is not the place for that. Uh, and there was maybe a bit of remorse in his his tone and his look ah, there at the end of that. A, that's, a, that's a solid take. That's a solid take. Yeah, I feel like it's not the what they were going after in this episode, but right. But it's something that it, I kind of placed in there. I think it works. It makes yeah. it makes sense. Uh, next scene: Glenn approaches Herschel to ask for his blessing to marry Maggie, and Herschel gives it. Uh, nice little scene between uh, Stephen and I don't know Herschel's real name. What is his? Yeah, the actor's I name. I, I have no idea. Okay. Uh, Anyway, yeah, so it's good to see the callback to the watch. That's a season two callback where Maggie's the keys to Maggie's vagina. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And the keys to Glenn's ass. He's been carrying that watch for how long now? Up his ass? (laughs) That's the only place it doesn't get destroyed. (laughs) But who's going to be searching? (laughs) No, I'm just saying. Scott Scott, yeah. Scott Wilson is the uh, actor that uh, plays Herschel. Yeah. Uh, I will say that all around, and I will say that this in in this zombie apocalypse scenario, this was very goddamn romantic, and I can't remember the last time I For saw sure. Herschel smile genuinely. You know, so anytime you see that, yeah. anytime you can bring that out of Herschel, it's 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 something good. Yeah. Uh, let's go back a second to where he's reading the Bible to his daughters in season two he had his crazy breakdown he went to the bar and he started drinking um did he he obviously didn't give up religion at that point right he didn't have any sudden uh deconversion or anything uh he kind of he he made a show of that he had but you just never know i thought so and i think that anyone in this circumstance or any circumstance like this war um, you know, a, a massive pandemic. Y- even if you have strong faith, you're going to have a somewhat complicated relationship with God. Definitely, yeah. And you're going to have po- points where you feel like your faith is stronger, and you're going to have points where you feel like your faith is going to crumble. Um, I kind of like that. It, feel, it feels realistic to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of where I was going with it. Um, Merle uh, ties up Michonne to a post while he hot wires a car. And he gets it running, but he accidentally sets off the alarm, and zombies flood the area and nearly eat both of them. Really cool scene here. Um, yeah, lots of tension because, honestly, yeah. I, I didn't know what the show had in store for either of these characters. Um, well, honestly, from spoiler images, I knew Merle's arc was terminal. I just didn't know when and where. <laughs> yeah. And I you know, could see it's like they did a nice job of actually setting up tension, and suddenly I find myself caring for these two characters. So. Uh, kudos for the, to the writers for making me care about a, a dyed in wool racist and a mute, but uh, they somehow <laughs> pulled that off. Yeah, yeah, and they they pulled it off like Michonne pulled off a zombie's head with her wire. <laughs> oh, uh, so I'm very curious about what you're giving kill, zombie kill of the week to. 
Or who well, are you giving it to? I think it's pretty obvious that I can't give it to that. Because that's just... not a kill. Really? No. Oh, we... yeah, you're right. The heads are still alive, yeah. right? Heads are still going to roll. Uh, and pretty Nash. fucking cool, though. Pretty fucking It was very cool, cool yeah. Uh, at first, I was oh. like, okay, there's no way that we could possibly... That she could possibly pull a zombie's head off with a wire. But, I mean, A, this is a crazy, unrealistic horror genre show. Um, uh-huh. And B, she had... What was the thing that her fingers were attached to? It was like some... It, it reminded me of those... You know those things where you kind of... Um, these kids toys where you kind of change the angle of a string and you have two people hold each side and the thing kind of flows down it like there's this thing with a hook on it and it it's kind of like a zip line it reminded me of one no of those fucking clue what you're talking about <laughs> all right i think it might be called like a zip it or something i don't know but it reminded okay. me of one of those but she's like tied up to this chinese finger trap it's weird uh-huh uh-huh uh but yeah so she maybe got a little more leverage and didn't rip her own fingers off yeah, yeah. Uh, I did notice that. Well, okay. First of all, the the katana shot just slicing the zombie's face off was freaking awesome. That was the, pretty sweet. The boot stomp on the head was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of those get it. None of those get it. No, I think I know what you're getting. What you're going to give it to now? Okay. I was I was decide. I wasn't sure if you're going to give it to this or the climax. And now I'm I'm pretty. My money's. All in on the climax. Well, it's. I think it might be the only other zombie kill. Well, yeah. no, there there are some that All I guess right. we see when Merle does his plan. Uh, anyway, I thought it was funny that Merle's got some manners. He opened the car door for Michonne. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I guess she couldn't have done that herself, but true. Yeah. Not such a bad guy after all. Opening yeah. doors. You've taken someone prisoner and basically handcuffed them. It's the least you can do. Yeah, help them out in and out of the, your your murder car. Uh, there were some great zombies, too. The one that almost got Merle in the car was fantastic. It yeah. looked bloated and disgusting. Yeah. Like, it was ready to just pop with uh, decay gases. The variety, that the, the variety of zombies they're able to bring to the show is admirable. Greg Nicotero, hats off. Yeah, he's the man when it comes to that. He also uh, directed this episode. Did you know that? I did know that, yeah. And it was uh, produced by the guy who's taken over as showrunner, Scott Kimple. Or... Yeah, that's right. Produced or written by? I think it was produced. Okay. Might have been written by. Who knows? Uh, somebody A gimple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we go back to uh, Merle and Michonne in the car after they've kind of driven off from there. And Michonne tries to convince Merle that this could have been a new beginning for him. Um, but he's not buying it. Yeah, and I think you're right. The The fact that Rick came to him with this, like, evil henchman task was the proof that he thought he needed to see that nah, nothing's changed. This is who I am. This is my role. Yeah, and and I think you hit on kind of the, the bigger point here is, and, and, I mean, we might as well move in. Well, no, Glenn has his own thing first. Um, but we'll talk, to, talk about it when we get there. Um, I thought it was interesting here that she kind of plays the Daryl card and says, no one's going to mourn you, not even your brother. Uh, Daryl's got a new family. And that to me is like the crux of why Merle starts to change his mind here. Hmm. Um, I mean, he's really the only thing that he loves in this world is his brother, right? I mean, everybody else can go to hell. That's true. Except for Daryl. And that's the reason he's even back at the prison in the first place. Yep. So then we go back to the prison and... (laughs) 
in what has to be the most disturbing moment I've seen yet, Glenn tears the wedding ring off of a walker. Yeah, he goes ring uh, shopping. <laughs> yeah. This episode is Dude. hard on fingers. <laughs> it was, man. It was. The finger count in this episode is high. Yeah, there are some perks to the zombie apocalypse, man. Cubic zirconium, <laughs> my ass. You just go uh, find a well-to-do-looking zombie and rip a ring off. Yep. Uh, it's a really short scene there. Then we go back to Michonne and Merle. And Michonne asks, uh, after that 16-man uh, body count comment that he made, if he's ever killed anyone before meeting the governor. And she tries to convince him again that they can both go back. Uh, Merle says he can't, but he stops the car and sets her free. So he's obviously had a change of heart here. Uh, and this was one of the highlights of the episode. I thought this was a really excellent scene. Both of them making solid points. Both of them, you know, showing some vulnerability. And uh, ultimately, it felt kind of inevitable that this is what's going to happen. Um, yeah. And I almost wonder if Merle didn't have this in the back of his head when he first took off from the prison. Hmm. Like he was I, waiting yeah, to be, he was waiting to see if Michonne would save her own skin by talking her way out of the thing. It's interesting because he does say well, when he takes her sword and kills the guy or kills the, the walker, uh, and she says, I was waiting. I want my sword back before I escape. He says it might go down that way. I know, right? So there is and, kind of a little foreshadowing there. And I just feel like the, what Daryl said to him in the prison really affected him. So I don't know whether it's conscious or unconscious or this is something that just Michael Rooker. Uh, Alan Seppenwall in his review said that you know he's one of the best actors in the series. I don't think that's much up for debate. But he's <laughs> always good at working, doing the most with the little that he's given. And I could totally see him taking the script and thinking, you know, really the wheel spinning and him being able to get all that onto the screen. Uh, and uh, goddamn, he's with Mer he's going to be missed. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I missed the character Merle, but I miss I miss the character of Merle and Michael Rooker's hands. And if he yeah. we'd have got another season or two uh, with of the Dixon Boys, that I think would have been something special potentially. Yeah, you also have to consider uh, maybe R Michael Rooker knows the character better than the writers do, and that they could have botched it if they tried to drag it out. I mean, we've yeah, seen what and, happens when and, they drag and, things out. And clearly one of the strongest things in the show is that literally no one is safe. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure Rick and Carl uh, have the two strongest shields, character shields on the show, but everybody else, like, I don't. I don't feel safe about Maggie. I don't feel safe about Glenn. I don't feel safe about even Daryl. I mean, I've talked about my growing dread as we approach seasons four <laughs> and five that I think that that's going to be one of the stomach punches we've got looking to look forward to. Yeah, I hope they do some interesting things with Coleman because he seems like he could be a pretty strong actor. But um, even then, based on I, what we've seen in The Wire and, and on this show, even. I would not be shocked if he doesn't make it out this season. That's not spoiler. That's not a thing. That's yeah. just I. I could totally see them bringing on a veteran actor just to give us a, uh, you know, oh, you thought Tyrese was going to be cool? Boom, he's dead. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's got me worried. <laughs> um, I also, I totally agree that this is an excellent scene, and I think there's a lot wrapped up in it, um, especially when Merle, she's trying to convince Merle that he can go back, and he just says he can't. He can't go mm -hmm. back. And I don't know. It, I think there's a couple of reasons he can't go back. A, he can't go back because 
Um, I, I think one of the things he's talking about here is he can't take back the fact that he killed those 16 men. Like, mm-hmm. that was not really who he was before the governor got a hold of him. Mm-hmm. And now that he's done those things, he he personally, he can't take that back. He can't forget that. Right. Um, and then there's also the layer of Merle is who Merle is. And sometimes even Merle doesn't like that. But I think it's his pride and and his knowledge of who he is that won't let him go back. Well, and they, like, and they also kind of they lampshaded at least that part where Rick said, "Do you even know why you do the things you do?" And he said, "No, nah, I'm a mystery even to me." Yeah, uh, I think you're right on in that analysis. He doesn't want to be that, but he is for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go back to uh, Michonne after she got out of the car and ran off, and Daryl catches up with her and asks where his brother is, and she says that he let her go, and Daryl runs off after him. Um, he wanted to know if she killed him first off, <laughs> which also, see, is an apt question. Michonne was like putting these zombie heads out of their misery. I'm wondering if it wouldn't be smarter to leave those heads alone, kind of like face up like landmines. That's has what I'm ever, saying, man. Has anyone ever done that in zombie lore? Because it seems like you could set some crazy ass traps involving walk or living walker heads you know, Dude, you know where they least expect it the screamer pits would take on a whole other meaning if it was oh, just lined oh, with heads on the bottom heads yeah man push people into oh how God. fucked up would that be it'd Amazing. be pretty fucked up it'd be like that scene in one of the saws where the chick got pushed into the uh pit <laughs> the, of hypodermic needles kind of yeah. fucked up yeah Ugh. horrific Ugh. <laughs> okay moving I on i just grossed myself out of my own podcast awesome um now we come to one of my actual one of my favorite scenes in this episode where merle's just sitting in his car boozing it up listening to the radio while the walkers swarm around the car and then he kind of slowly drives off i was like <laughs> as soon as he started driving away i was like oh you missed the handle Come on, come on, get in. Get in, guys. Oh, oh, you missed again. Right, right. The classic uh, high school parking lot prank. Were you um, at all worried that he was trying to off himself at that point? Yeah, I was. Uh, but on on second watch, I actually I noticed that this is kind of a really dark scene. I mean, yeah. it's kind of played almost for comedy like borderline because he got Merle here yeah feeding the zombie booze and he's just cranking Uh his music and you think oh Uh yeah good time but man this is dark this is a guy who at coming off of that last scene and says i can't go back um he he knows he's dead he knows he's dead but but it's not just that he's resigned to his fate it's resigned to a fate that he's creating for himself at this very moment Yes. He doesn't have to do any of this stuff, no. but he does it because he he is who he is. You're right, and that's the part that really makes this scene for me. I love yeah. it. Yeah, you're um, on fire, Jim. More solid analysis. <laughs> uh, Merle gets back to the meeting location where Rick is supposed to be, I guess, um, very 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 soon, right? Because everybody's yep. already there. Yep. Uh, he rolls up the car to the governor's ambush party and jumps out. Uh, music still blaring while the zombies attack he picks off all of the unimportant characters and in the process he gets bit by a walker yeah when i was realized what he was doing i'm like oh this is fucking smart he's picking off the governor's team of badasses yeah but each, but they're... each each death that he is bringing tilts the scales more evenly in rick's favor yeah yeah hell of a move 
Um, because like but the young, he's the picking young off boys... people who don't matter to the story, right? He's not picking off Martinez. Yeah, they don't let right. him shoot the governor. Although arguably Martinez could have died too, because if if he makes it out of the season alive, I'll be I'll be at, as shocked as as anything. He might but, convert. Yeah, maybe. Um, as long as Poindexter dies. <laughs> uh, but no, it's like I just thought it's like yeah, this is this was really really smart, and this to start the gunfire because he knew mm-hmm. the, the knew these guys would yep. and because and they were not going to hear his gunfire and all the confusion is just brilliant. Like yeah, who knew Merle had it in him? And I didn't understand this plot until it was all coming together, and then it seemed obvious in hindsight. So yeah. again, whoever came up with that scheme in the writers' room, hats off to you. Definitely. And we get a callback to earlier in the episode with the, his fingers being bitten off. Mm-hmm. Um, when he first got bit, I was like, oh, shit, there goes Merle. That's how it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was not expecting the governor to grab him and beat him and shoot him after that. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty intense. Uh, good fight the there, gov- too. What was the governor's plan? Oh, the he's governor- obviously just going to ambush Rick and company when they rolled up. No, but what's his? why did he kill Merle, leaving the turn... To send a message? I, I think we're a little bit beyond the message. Mm. That's the part of the episode that doesn't sit quite well with me. I mean, what was the point of this? Why wouldn't he, you know, first of all, why wouldn't he suspect that Rick was this is his plan all along? So why wouldn't he immediately go to the prison? I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's what's yeah. going to happen. But I just thought it's weird that, you know, he stayed there and and, and was immediately left. So Daryl, who couldn't have been more than half hour, hour behind him. Uh, got there just in time to see Michael Rooker given some of the best zombie we've ever said. As I said on Facebook, yeah. uh, you know, Rooker gives really good Zed. <laughs> yeah, he does. Really good. Um, to to talk to your point, I think the governor shot Merle and just left him there because that was a fate worse than death for Merle. Like he didn't. He's not about killing people. He's about torturing people and hurting people in more than just the physical ways. I, I just feel like the governor would have still, you know, knowing him as we know him, would have brought Merle back and worked him over a bit. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know. But apparently he didn't. Uh, even though Merle tried to go Vader on his ass and mm-hmm. toss him into a pit uh, yeah. with lightning shooting out of his hand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yes, very Anakin-like arc there. Uh, Glenn gives Maggie the Walker ring, and she says yes. Lamest proposal of all time. He did not <laughs> drop the one knee. Nope. I mean, I'm I'm a fucking no asshole. Even I know the niceties. I know the <laughs> rituals that have to be observed, and I just I this just is the zombie apocalypse, man. I don't care. That's I can't the respect a man that doesn't know that. I mean, they could still be a nice man. But it's it's kind of like when I see a guy wearing sweatpants out, he could be a perfectly nice man. Yeah. But they're still a goddamn fool because they're wearing sweatpants out in public. I just yeah. can't respect you. I might I might like you, but I'll never be able to respect you because you're wearing sweatpants. Well, if, if you've seen the preview for next week, you know that there's a scene in there where Herschel actually comes back to Glenn and says, I'm sorry, after that proposal, I can't let you do it. <laughs> you didn't even get the so, one knee. It's like, no. you know, I'm how... If Glenn is savvy enough to ask the old man for the nod and the blessing, <laughs> yeah. he's not savvy, and he's and he, he gets the ring. I, I just felt like I don't know, man. I needed to see the one knee, yeah, or at least a somewhat of a speech, a word, a word yeah. would have been good. 
this scene got incredibly short <laughs> shrift for how important it seems relatively for the show's future. And it felt really weird coming off of that last scene where you've got fingers being bitten off and you've got the governor <laughs> shooting people and zombies attacking and then bam, you're right to this what's supposed to be a romantic scene. I do hope he soaked that ring in hydrogen peroxide for a minute <laughs> no, or two. No, there's you know? no amount of washing that helps that. Like, <laughs> it, you cannot make that right. There's an episode of Scrubs where uh, Turk <laughs> takes a pin from the ass box, which is like the box where they put all the stuff that comes out of people's asses. Yeah. And he gives it to his girlfriend, Carla, <laughs> Uh-huh. And they call it an ass pin. <laughs> and that's exactly what it reminded me of. All right. Oh, Fair disgusting. point. Anyway, um, Rick recaps the episode to the rest of the group and apologizes for it and then puts the uh, decision to stay or go on the group. So at this point, am I to believe that we're going to now have a vote on whether they stay or leave? No. Is there even going to be a maybe. war? Maybe. Maybe. I maybe, but I bet everybody votes to stay. I actually like the speech. Um, I like yeah, the yeah. fact that we're going away from the rictatorship, that Rick ab- 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 abdicated. I like the, you know, I've always been trying to do things for the greater good, but now I realize that we are the greater good, which mm-hmm. is another good mission statement for the rest of the show. Um, yeah, really liked the scene. Really, really liked it. Strong. Uh, Rick's speeches are normally a little more comical than this one. <laughs> But uh, well, this came we across get, pretty strong. I got a private little chuckle when he saw, uh, you know, Michonne coming through the scope. I was uh, my first thought was, "Oh my God, Lori has turned black." Uh, like that <laughs> my one, first thought was, "The governor's like going to jump up from and grab spawn. her." Uh, what? <laughs> my first thought was, "The governor's going to jump up out of the woods and grab her," like he did Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, he's just he's always done. waiting out in the weeds there. Which, <laughs> yeah. oh, by the way, that plot line has completely gone away. The fact Which that the, the governor's got someone out there watching him. Yeah, yeah. And I keep thinking they're walking right in the open. There could be a sniper yeah. out there. If they had a gun pointed at him, yeah. they could just pick him off. Yeah. Silly. If I were the governor, I would have people waiting there containing yes. them in that prison, not letting them prepare. Merle was absolutely right. You could just starve him out. Yeah. Definitely. You've got covered. They don't. They either have to stay in there and die, or they can come out and be murdered. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, anyway, so we'll skip that scene where he goes up and spots Michonne because we talked about it. Uh, we'll go right to Daryl arriving at the uh, ambush location and finding his brother, zombified, Walker City. Uh, he's reluctant to kill him, but he finally does. Oh, a, I really like how... Display. Daryl almost treated the zombie Merle as if his brother had suddenly was start turning against him. And, you know, it's like that's the way you treat your brother if he's just being an asshole to you. Yeah. And like, you know, bull, like all of a sudden I felt like, you know, Daryl was seven years old trying to fight off his older brother, you know, kicking his ass for some imagined wrong. And, yeah. you know, again, Norman Reedus getting the pathos channeled is just really very strong scene i okay i'll say i that it was a great scene but it was hard for me to concentrate on how great it was because right at the beginning when he starts crying i couldn't help but see john ham in his saturday night live skin (laughs) oh wow yeah he's not the strongest crier in the world yeah man it was like (laughs) i don't know he just cried really ugly Uh, yeah 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 (laughs) ugly crier but yeah it was still all in all, powerful scene. Uh, and that's it. They go out on that note. Wow. And I'm giving uh, 
zombie kill of the week to Daryl killing Merle. Uh, the way he did that, I mean, it was it was a lot like we saw Rick stabbing that zombie with uh, yes. that ate Lori, or that we thought ate Lori. And the effects work was really good as, like, Michael Rooker's, I guess, life-modeled cast uh, slowly just disintegrated under Daryl Savage knife work. Yeah, that was disgusting and beautiful at the same time because I'd love to see that effects work happen. The emotional zombie kills are always the best in the show. Yeah. Um. All right, so I think that's it. Idiot Idiot Survivor of the Week is Rick. Zombie Kill of the Week is Daryl Killing Merle. Uh, do you want to do some pimping? Yeah, it's going to be a short pimping because I'm actually on the road this week broadcasting live from Horse Cave, Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> Horse Cave? Yeah, um, I took it's my my boy's spring break and we are taking a tour of the caves of Kentucky. It's yeah, pretty they're amazing. Oh, Mammoth Cave! If you live within 500 mile radius of Mammoth Cave and you haven't been there, what the fuck is wrong with you? Go! It is <laughs> awesome in the truest sense of the word. Yep. Um, we are part of the Bald Move Network. You can find all of our content at baldmove.com, including full coverage of The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, the latest seasons of Mad Men, and Breaking Bad. Uh, don't forget our affiliates, the Personal Arrogance Crew out of Seattle. They bring the funny and the beer. And also our affiliates, the Because Show out of L.A. Uh, these uh, women bring the funny and the makeup recommendations and book reviews. Uh, also, uh, I, I need to just throw the Downton Abbey crew, Kelly and Tom, up in our regular TV coverage. I think I'm going to start doing that. Tom okay. and Kelly's new show, they cover Downton Abbey. If you like that stuff, check it out. They're in their uh, uh, hiatus mode, so they're going to be releasing a show every two weeks over something, some kind of uh, Edwardian-era entertainment, and I'm curious to see what they end up doing. Uh, if you'd like to uh, support our cast, there's two main ways you can do so. Number one... Rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't yet. It's the single biggest thing that drives traffic to our cast and helps us scrabble to the heap of the zombie pile that is the iTunes rankings. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you that does that. We read all the reviews, too, uh, the ones that hurt our feelings and the ones that make us feel good. Uh, so we appreciate that. And also, if you'd like to monetarily uh, uh, help our cast, you can do so by using our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com or click the banner at the top of our site. Uh, that gives us a little tiny profit from the things you buy through Amazon, and it costs you nothing. It's a win-win scenario. And now we're ready for feedback. Okay, let's do it. Uh, because we have a hopefully short episode this week, uh, I had to make some brutal cuts, so I apologize to anybody who didn't get included and probably normally would have. But we'll start off with Emma, who says, Hey, guys, just writing in because I can't get over this, the moaning zombie head in the field. How is it making noise? It doesn't have any lungs. <laughs> There's no way air can pass through its vocal cords. Am I wrong about this? Yeah, I think the one thing you're not uh, keeping in mind, Emma, is that this show doesn't follow zombie noise rules. No. The, it's, it's, it's because fuck you, that's why. That's what yeah. the show says to us anytime you ask <laughs> any kind of zombie physiology questions. It's like, you're questioning zombie physics? Fuck you. Yeah, but no, you're totally right. <laughs> Uh, Ushin says, yeah, this episode was one of the best in the whole season. Great scenes, great acting. I really liked how the character development with Merle was handled. It didn't seem forced like it did with Axel and T-Dog. Wait, T-Dog had character development? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe episode... episodes after he died, people recounting stories. So, yeah. Uh, he says, Michael Rooker is such a good actor. I know I keep saying it, but every scene is so good. The way he tried to do a little good before he died was awesome. Uh, 
Estub says, I had a nightmare last night that they didn't kill the governor in the season finale. Could they stretch this already thin plot line further? Is that why they fired Mazera? If that happens, I'm done. I'm with you. You know, I actually got a little afraid because when you think of everything that they've got, like, so if they're going to terminate this storyline, all the mechanics that have to happen in the next episode, I'm actually sort of afraid they're going to try to extend this plot line the next season. That is a bad uh, idea. Th- that's a terrible idea. I actually I don't think, think it's worth dwelling on it such a bad idea until it happens and then yeah. we'll just pillory it. Okay. Uh, Stoffa writes in, says, zombie apocalypse going on for over a year and the car battery still works perfectly fine. Hmm. And also, yeah, no. oh, by the way, who the fuck puts a car alarm on a shitty's late 70s, early 80s caprice? <laughs> uh... I don't. It was pimped out, man. It had no, rims. It, no. Did you see? Oh yeah, it did. It definitely did. Maybe in some scenes because I actually thought it's like, well, maybe it did. Maybe there's some idiot that's pimped it out, and it had like kind of shitty spoke. I mean, not even like the gold Dayton's. Just kind of like stock rims on it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I thought that was one of the more unbelievable things I've seen. Wow. Someone put an alarm on a hoopty. Okay. Uh, he says, other than that, it was a really good episode. I feel like this season. Uh, this half season started off flat, but it's been picking back up the last few episodes. Excited for the finale next week. Me too. Definitely. It's definitely the way they've structured it. So, uh, York writes in, well, my favorite character is no longer with us. Merle has a change of heart and sacrifices himself for the good of the group. Who could have possibly seen that coming? <laughs> and he says the previous statement is intended to be read in a sarcastic fashion. I did. Uh, he sure went out like a badass, and he took out Asthma Boy. Who is Asthma Boy? Oh, was that the was that the the little the teenager that is oh mom yeah who tried to get out of it uh, by saying I had asthma? Yeah, yep. Uh, he says, "Does the governor have any quality goons left?" I thought this ep- this was a pretty quality episode. Eight out of ten. Oh fuck, I forgot about Ghost Lori. Let's knock that down to a five. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they used Ghost Lori very effectively this time. Much more effectively than they actually use SWC in life. It definitely. Uh, Noel W. says, just rewatching Prey, and Martinez calls the other guy that's always with him, Shump. And I went back and I watched this, and the guy's name is Shump. Whoa. Yeah. So, that's weird. <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, that's all she's got he to say. He sounds like the like the fifth uh, unknown Three Stooges, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, ben writes in in bill simmons recap of this week's episode he makes a few jokes about how michonne looks like tracy chapman i never noticed that until now but it's pretty dead on <laughs> yeah i agree with I, that i never thought tracy chapman was attractive but michonne uh, she is has super the crazy attractive. dreads yeah what she's got the crazy dreads like michonne's got well who gives a shit so does bob marley i don't really want to <laughs> make out with him but uh, michonne's totally hot <laughs> fair enough god bill simmons uh, I love Joseph, him, but he's a dick sometimes. Joseph V says, maybe Merle was just acting like a zombie, a.k.a. or a la Bill Murray in Zombieland. Then he had <laughs> ended badly for Bill, too. Spoiler. Uh, way to commit by way to commit to eating those intestines. Yeah, did you see the way he was, like, rolling those around in his mouth? I'm telling you, Michael Rooker gives really good Zed. <laughs> yeah, he does. Everything, just the way he kind of, like, the, the vacant expression on his face, that's how, like... He didn't play, like, pissed off and all that. He played a goddamn good zombie. I don't know. Joseph Fee disagrees because he said, in reality, I thought he showed a little too much emotion on his face for being a zombie. 
Really? Uh, and then said maybe they were trying to play off the warm body scenario. Nah, I think I think that that was a very good job of projection. Like I was talking about how, yeah, the the way Daryl treated Merle, we kind of read the emotion in there. But I thought I thought Rooker did a fantastic job. Same as with Amy. I mean, when she died in season one, yes. it was very similar in that way. We yes. were we were all kind of waiting. Will she have some emotion on her face? And a lot of people were reading into it. Yes, uh, where I think she did a hell of a job. Yep, yep, and that was one of the standout scenes with Andrea. And Lori Holden. Uh, Levi Jeans writes in, Glenn just sealed the deal. Maggie is zombie food. (laughs) And he says he bent his liver against (laughs) (laughs) A-Rons. I think my liver's got a better shot than yours there, Levi. (laughs) But I don't know. Levi's got a a battle-hardened liver. He does. If you don't know, Levi's one of the buddies of the personal arrogance crew, and they... They they can they they can drink man yeah they can safe we and responsibly a few months ago. safe and responsibly to be sure but they can fucking put put the stuff down definitely Jackie from Vancouver says I prefer nearly any type of engagement ring something made of string a large metal washer a nice twist tie perhaps <laughs> rather than someone cutting off the first corpse they saw uh, the corpse it wasn't the first it was like the third. <laughs> Corpse was a dead woman who someone somewhere loved and wanted to be with forever, but she uh, before she turned into a walking cadaver. Better yet, no ring because why would you need a ring uh, in this situation? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it was wait, a woman sent that feedback. Yeah, Jackie from Vancouver. Wow. Unless it's like uh, Jackie Robinson or something, I don't know. Maybe it's a <laughs> dude with the name Jackie. It's an ambiguous name. Could be uh, Amanda D. Not ambiguous at all. If the point hasn't been made yet, I wanted to mention that at the end of season one, Daryl told Brick, only Merle can kill Merle. Well, it looks like he was right. <laughs> uh, excited for the season finale, trying not to lose my head over it. Nice. Uh, Scott writes in, uh, and this is a little longer, not our longest one. Um, something that's been driving him nuts is that Aaron keeps mentioning that his liver is on DEFCON 5. That is the lowest DEFCON of the five levels. DEFCON 1 is nuclear war is imminent. Defcon Five is normal readiness. Oh, uh, really? I thought I, yeah. I thought I used I, I knew that. I just didn't want to call you on it because I call you on other stuff. No, it's like it's just the thing. Like I've got this like weird ass dyslexia where I sometimes I miss mess shit up and get things opposite, and and it gets into my head to where like I overthink it and I don't even know which one is right anymore. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of my thing. Mispronouncing mis- mispronouncing things and flipping things is my thing. So All right. sorry. It's a good thing to Dr- have it, when it, you. Uh do podcasts once a week yeah. yeah i know right <laughs> and you're just recording all this dumbassery for future posterity <laughs> yeah no kidding uh show your kids this one day see that is a dumbass <laughs> yeah there's a reason why i broadcast with a pseudonym i do not want anyone that i work with knowing what an at an, an idiot i am <laughs> any potential future employers etc uh for we have one vote here um from scott who says that He's uh, he says keep up the podcast and thank you for not playing the trailer for next week's episode during the spoiler section. Uh, he thought it was pointless as well. He said I would like to see you guys maybe do a recap of the trailer though, kind of like you do with the show. And that was initially the idea that I had um, when we cut it off. I was like, well, if we're not going to play it, which is totally ineffective, why don't we cover it? Uh, and we're thinking oh, about it. I we'll probably get, come back with that next season. I could get behind that. And honestly, some of it's time. 
Um, if I had more time, I would like to do that and bring also some analysis of the bonus content they have on AMC because I always have like a minute or two-minute clip on these things of, of a preview. Um, yeah. But honestly, it's like we're barely our, – our mode that we're going to be in for the next couple weeks <laughs> or for the next couple months is that we're – barely going to have time to get feedback by the time and, and everything organized by the time we hit record so we're at the limits of, of expansion of our coverage at, at, at the moment yeah until working on it though for at least the next three months or so yeah uh brandon writes in i don't think it's milton who burned the pits check out this picture and he sent a couple screenshots which i'll describe in a second uh from the episode clear with morgan and he showed a couple of screenshots, one of which was Morgan's pile of burned walkers and a gas can next to it that looks oh. an awful lot like the gas can we saw in that episode. And then a picture of him clearing walkers off of his spike traps with the same black gloves that we saw on the person who burned the walker pits. Mm. So interesting. Some pretty strong evidence there that it's maybe Morgan. Interesting also because it makes Poindexter's half-assed, passive-aggressive defense of his actions more, even more questionable. I mean, I got to ask him <laughs> the same question I asked Saddam Hussein. Like, why the fuck, if you didn't do something, are you letting people blame you for it? And I guess, you yeah. know, and, and you, don't, you don't have the posturing of, uh, against your foe Iran to justify it. So what yeah. the hell? But I, I could see that. I could, I could, that'd be exciting to have uh, Morgan thrown into this last battle mix. Yeah, I wonder where they'd go with that. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Tom P. says, okay, so uh, on to the new stuff. This episode, I think, was one of the best of the second half of the season. I, for one, think uh, they do a much better job when they concentrate on one or two stories instead of four or five, which I agree with. Uh, if they would have included the torture storyline, this episode would have sucked. Um, Glenn decided to sign a death warrant. Everybody thinks that this ring is Maggie's death warrant or <laughs> either his or Maggie's. They've got to destroy them now. Okay. Uh, I think they may give us half a season before they totally dash this thing to the ground. <laughs> um, he says, I think they'll have their wedding or maybe it gets interrupted by the army of <laughs> arthritic asthmatics. <laughs> Hard to say. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, he's talking about those walkers, right? No, he's talking about the boy that's got asthma and the oh, old and the woman old lady with, with her yeah, yeah, Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm a dumbass. Uh, Merle is by far the best-looking walker yet. His eyes were just haunting. Uh, yes. Zombie kill of the week by his brother. Part of me is going to miss Merle. I hated him, but I love to hate him. Yeah, that's how pretty much everybody felt about Merle. They loved the things that the character was able to do to the story. But the character itself was despicable. Sully <laughs> uh, in Boston says, The Walking Dead's writer's room is less thoughtful than a zombie tailgate outside a roadhouse bar. To, co to compensate, Merle threw his body on the bullshit Michonne trade plot grenade. Suddenly, Merle's a sweetheart deep down but self-destructive. I give the writers some kudos, as it was 1,000 to 1 that Michonne would talk rather than glare her way out of being taken hostage. <laughs> Right. Harsh words from Sully. Harsh words. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Sully. Not I don't fair. have a Donald Trump voice, but uh, he wants Glenn Mazzara to be fired again. <laughs> uh, Graham H. says, if they want to make a season finale have as much impact uh, as issue 48 made. I don't know what issue 48 is. And this might be spoilery. Let me read ahead a little bit here. He's uh, referring to the climax of the prison arc. So, yeah. Yeah. Better, better, tread, care, better tread carefully. Uh, a guy who says, who calls himself Officer Friendly, 
writes in and says, this was a great episode, an 8.5. The directing was good, and Michael Rooker's performance throughout was amazing. Uh, this episode was all about Merle's redemption towards the whole group at the prison. I think this was the only way you could kill Merle and make a hero at the same time. Uh, he is the Dark Knight of the prison. You need a good guy to do dirty work, and that was Merle. Um, and then going along with, I mean, we've kind of already talked about this stuff, but uh, I'll just read his points. You can also tell that Merle only cares about his brother Daryl. He was doing what had to be done to save his brother's life. Um, he was only in the prison because Daryl was there, and he was in Woodbury just because he thought his brother was dead. He never actually picked sides. Did uh, he just say that Merle's not the racist shitbag the prison deserves? He's the racist shitbag that the prison needs? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. All <laughs> right, he said then. it in a Batman voice, too. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dave M., and this is a long one, but it's uh, our second to last one here. Uh, doubt I'm getting this feedback to you in time. You are. Um, super stoked for whatever megawatt spoilers we have. Sorry, this time we don't have any for the finale. They kept the clamps on this episode. They didn't even re- – the last two episodes, they did not even release to professional reviewers, no screeners. Wow. No, I didn't even know that. Um, he says, The Sorrowful Life, as the season draws ever closer to the end, i got to say this tension is definitely amping up, but to be honest, it feels like an effort to recover a floundering, floundering near fumble at the 10-yard line. At this point, it seems almost nonsensical to really think about the comic-slash-source material at all. Um, where at first we were praising season, season three's remixing of characters and story arcs, um, as the second half plays out, it feels like the, like Skrillex got a hold of the tracks before they were released and were literally, (laughs) and literally shat non-talent fuck up juice all over them. Really? (laughs) Really, dude? Oh, Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, I don't agree, however, but still funny. Um, honestly, I... Yes, I think that we used to praise it, but now it feels like some of this change is just for change's sake. And yeah, you've kept the comic book readers uh, on our toes. Congratulations, assholes. That's 100,000 max of the audience. There's 10 million people watching this. They're thinking, what the fuck? Yeah. So, well, But I don't think the last half of season three has been that bad. I mean, certainly some of the plot elements they set up at the beginning have... Played you're out high if you're saying that season 3.5 has not been uneven at best. Yes, they, yes, they've, yes they've, the, the, the plotting the, has been uneven, but I think the episodes have been pretty good quality. I mean, hmm. how many of these have we rated an 8 or higher? A you lot have m- much more than I. I'm thinking they're batting 50% at, you know, above average episodes. Hmm. I don't know about that. That Let's feels like in these eight episodes have been four bad ones, four good ones. I can think uh, you, but you like last week, so that might yeah. be four, five out of five out of eight for you. Um, it, it feels very. I know I liked. I'm not going to go through them all, but I really hate, hated the first two episodes. I liked Clear. I liked this episode. Uh, I liked. I kind of liked the one where they were kind of negotiating with the governor. Um, yeah, I might even be as low as three out of eight so far Hmm. for me. Well, you're just a negative Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, that's a, that's a really long email. We don't have a ton of time, so I got to move on, uh, to a pretty serious email from Nick M from Illinois. Uh, he says, Hey guys, this episode was really bittersweet for me. I just recently lost my dad since the last time you read my emails the last few weeks. And seeing what Daryl had to do at the end of this episode really struck me. I know how emotional it is and what Daryl is going through. 
Uh, I've had a whirlwind week and listening to your podcasts are great and keep me busy and my mind on the fun things in life. Really can't wait for the season finale. Keep up the great work and thanks for the funny and entertaining podcasts. Yeah, I, I'm glad that we could provide even just a little bit of joy to someone's life when they're in a situation like that, you know? Yeah, totally, Nick. I mean, I'm at the age where the death of my parents is starting to become a real thing. Yeah, and it's it's uncomfortable even to think about. So my heart goes out to you, man. I I I feel I feel terrible. Uh, all right, that's it for emails. We're done. Want to do some outro stuff? Uh, yes. If you'd like to give us even more feedback, you can do so at walking dead at baldmove.com. You can like me on facebook.com slash baldmove. And more, more often than not, I do a live, um, uh, Facebooking of the episode. I will definitely be doing that this Sunday. Jim tries to do the live uh, Twitter thing at baldmove and also tries uh, to, he does it. He does it. <laughs> and that's an outro. Do we have spoiler oh. stuff for this week to consider? All right, we do have a little bit of spoiler stuff. So okay. for everybody who wants spoilers, we'll see you after the music. And for everybody else, until next time, till the season finale, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See you next week. back with the spoiler section uh we don't have the intro to read I'm, I'm gonna have to come up with a new way to get into this because i'm so used to saying go ahead and roll the thing and then you just hit the button <laughs> it's not working anymore man no it is not you, you messed up my flow uh we have some emails from a couple of listeners and some that i pulled into spoilers uh pulled like half of their email to spoilers first off it is jake from tallahassee says the finale preview shows the group packing up possibly leaving before the governor arrives this can be no war and no Andrea resolution. How would you feel about this turn? For me, it would explain why Mazzara was canned. Yeah. Holy shit. If they do that, everybody wants this war, and they yes. can't just leave Andrea. No. I Honestly, that would be that would be tough pill to swallow. And also, the, it, the only thing worse would be is if they keep Woodbury around as, like, some kind of fucking Cylon force following the Battlestar <laughs> Rick. Rickica, uh, and they I have don't to want leave town every thirty-three minutes. <laughs> I didn't like Battlestar when it was Battlestar. I did not. I do not. <laughs> you have to leave that. Oh my god! I couldn't even steamroll that. No, I don't want any part. I don't want any part of that. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, yeah, I'm. I'm with you, man. I would. They've set up this war that now needs to happen. I. I, I will, want I to see the war. I will say if they blatantly showed that in the previews, they're probably rope-a-doping us, and we are going to. But, but man, yeah. they only got 45 minutes to resolve all this shit. They've got to probably get them out of the prison, have have a war or not have it, and deal with the torture of Andrea, right? That's a lot. That is That's a lot, a lot of lot stuff. I mean, obviously, they can end. The only thing that can save them is they don't need a real resolution. They could literally in the episode like with the prison and smoking ruins and we don't need and like kind of like they did where like rick is fleeing with carl and everybody's kind of pell-mell that mm-hmm. that's how the comic ended like it took a few issues for everyone to reconnect and 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 figure you know figure out who lived and who died and that would actually kind of be an mm-hmm. interesting couple episode arc for next season so i'm not pushing the panic button yet do, do you think it would be 
interesting in a way, like maybe the way uh, being how dark it is to just leave Andrea in the hands of the governor. Uh, that would not, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't really like, care much. They're not going to show anything crazy happening to her. Uh, they might imply stuff, but I think Andrea a bigger implication a dis- could be just leaving her there. Andrea's a disposable character to me. Yeah, at this point, yeah, sure. I don't hate her into where she couldn't come back and be, you know, I don't mean, uh, be awesome later. I mean, I hated her. My peak of my white hot Andrea hatred is when she shot Daryl. Yeah. So she's still salvageable, but also I don't care. They could leave her there, and I just wouldn't care. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Scott writes. I'm. Can you really imagine helping- how? Wait. Can you imagine how savage her face will look when she's being tortured? Oh God. Yeah, it's <laughs> gonna be horrific. Oh God! Uh, let's just hope she doesn't get zombified. Oh, <laughs> that's like a savage face rewarmed over in a microwave. <laughs> Refried savage. Uh, Scott <laughs> writes in. I really am hoping season four starts off with the storyline from the comics where Rick and Carl are on their own in the house. Would be great to see some more character development of Carl as he takes care of his dad. Yes, God, yes. That's my favorite plot line in all of Walking Dead. It's the one that made me feel the most. Uh, Yes, Hmm. a thousand times yes. Yeah, I I never got to that one. Um, He says, also, I know we all love Daryl, but I I do hope that he eats it along with Merle so they can get the show more in line with the comics. Uh, Bring in Abraham in season four, bring back Morgan, and let's get the group into uh, Alexandria's safe zone by mid-season four to keep up the fast-paced set in season three. What do you think about that? I think my personal take on it is that Alexandria is going to be end of season four at the earliest, like that they'll discover it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's, there's, I maybe, maybe that would be a second half plot line because there's not a whole lot of stuff that happens between, uh, you know, if, if God help me, if Poindexter lives and he takes on the role of Eugene, they could get a couple episodes out of that, a couple episodes out of the group reforming, Rick and Carl going off into the house, and Carl trying to fend for himself why he thinks his dad is going zombified. Um, and, but then, yeah, it's going to get, they got the Hunter sequence, which is going to be pretty awesome. That could be another two or three episode arc. Maybe it would be. And now that I think about it, the timing would work out. Which means, which means they've only got about another season and a half of comic book material. <laughs> yeah, that's the real problem that they're going to run up against pretty soon. Yeah, like when they go beyond that event horizon, I wonder how they'll, they'll take it. Yeah, well, they'll get them back on the farm. That'll slow everything down. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ryan, our last email, Ryan in SLC, says, has a spoilerish prediction. He's not actually basing this on any spoiler information, but it contains spoilers. Uh, he says, Tyrese is being set up to play the role that the character Lily plays in the comic book as the one who kills the governor. Even though he's already conflicted about whether or not he should be supporting the governor, Tyrese will get caught up in the momentum to go to war against Rick's group, partially because of the killing of Ben last week by a member of the prison group. However, in the midst of the battle, Tyrese will become aware that he's fighting on the wrong side when, among other things, he witnesses the governor murder Beth and little ass kicker mercilessly. A lot of people predicting that, that uh, Beth is going to take place with Lori. Uh, Tyrese then kills the governor and saves the day, thus paving the way for him to become a trusted member of Rick's group. What do you think? Uh, I think that's that's actually pretty strong. And I think that yep. if they're going to go with a comic book 
style ending that Beth and Judith have to die. And that would explain why they very conspicuously made Beth the caretaker. Yeah. And it's also kind of a neat trick to have Carl kind of liking her because then it's an emotional whammy for it. It's instead of it being a devastation for Rick, it's going to be more of a, you know, and a further making him a colder, more merciless killing machine. How much more can that kid take? Don't know. Killed his own mom. That's rough. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. That's all we got. Uh, All right, I'm I'm about to drop the mic Chris Rock style. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time. Yep, bye.